0: You a, a, witch. a hybrid. Werewolf.
1: Welcome to the Gilbert Journals, the part of the show where we discuss the lore of the Vampire Diaries universe. Part of this will involve talking about the various supernatural creatures and beings that exist within this world. And today we will be starting with the titular vampires because it's the Vampire Diaries. (laughs) I'm Fadzai. And I'm Sandile. And today we're gonna be discussing the vampire species and all the various subspecies, I guess you could call them or what would you call it subtypes that you get within the frame subtypes of... yeah once you yeah. start throwing species that <laughs> lends an air
0: of actual science that we will not be employing today i know we've no, our,
1: <laughs> our, our science is strictly frozen in like 1860s jonathan gilbert journal none of his devices worked
0: <laughs> all his notes are only half finished that is our level of professionalism <laughs> we decided to do this because, I mean, we were going to do the the next episode, but I am currently away from home. I'm visiting my family back in Durban. And so I'm just, like, not in a mindset to be doing research and to be preparing for, like, a full-blown episode. So we're like, yeah, we'll just, we'll talk about vampires for a little bit. And hopefully, in future, do a couple of other different supernatural creatures. There's a, a couple of them to go through. So that should be fun.
1: So vampires... We'll start with the most obvious, uh, just regular vampires. There are many different types of Uh, creatures in the series that have vampiric traits Mm. and that fall under the the umbrella of um, vampiric creatures and that abide by the rules that apply to vampires in this universe. What is a vampire? For those of you who might not know,
0: no. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines vampire as...
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure you all know what a vampire is, but um, within the show specifically, a vampire is an undead supernatural creature usually created from a human being, although if you're being finicky about what you define as human that's not necessarily always the case but always created from homo sapiens is the idea well (laughs) well i mean homo (laughs) sapiens in the sense that you know that suggested like
0: <laughs> Do we ever see anything other than Homo sapiens? Does that imply that werewolves are also Homo sapiens?
1: Well, I assume they are, right? Because
0: they're different biologically. What's how much of you must be different in your biology to be a different species?
1: You know what? That is a fair point, but I think sci- don't scientists usually say that the same species can reproduce with each other? So if werewolves You're can absolutely reproduce right. with humans. Here we go! Yay! Bio for the wind. The, the little bit of stem that okay, I know. Okay, wait,
0: hold on, hold on. Before we get, before you take the W, horses and donkeys can make mules. Are they the same species? Sorry, sorry.
1: Yes, it was. You can reproduce and create fertile young. I think mules are sterile, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I might be
1: wrong about that, but I think it's, I think that's usually the rule. You can reproduce, and then your young will be fertile. Okay.
0: Um, geneticists, uh, uh, fact checkers. Thanks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. i would I would hate to be wrong. There is another uh, there's a, there's a bit of vampire fiction out there that I will not name where biology is often brought up and it's very, very wrong uh Those of Ooh, you who know, you have you'll to know. Name it. No, you have I don't to name what it because this is.
0: I wanted to do a little bit of a comparison to other vampires too.
1: Okay, it's it's Twilight. Twilight. Oh, what do they do in the Twilight books? They bring up a lot of genetics and a lot of biology, and it's just it's very wrong. Uh...
0: That probably is giving eugenics. Now, having read one of those books and only one, I'm getting the vibe that that would be like eugenics.
1: My my favorite one is that uh, humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes. Sure. Which, you know, is, is like real life. And then the, the Twilight vampires have 25 pairs of chromosomes. <sighs> um, and then when Edward, as a vampire, reproduces with Bella as a human, Renesmee is born with... 24 pairs of chromosomes which isn't how that works it's like the two that edward have just paired up with each other
0: i was gonna hazard a guess that that couldn't possibly be how that works (laughs) i you know maybe it was better not to bring it up and you were right (laughs)
1: stephanie's not a scientist it's fine she's a she's a writer it's Mm. it's okay
0: Back to Vampire Diaries.
1: Back to Vampire Diaries, where thankfully they they leave the science to your imagination. Essentially, a vampire is what you would expect. They're undead. They drink blood to survive. That's that's usually the basic um, requirement for being a vampire. In the Vampire Diaries universe, vampires are created rather than being born or anything like that. They are immortal in the sense of being ageless and being difficult to kill by conventional means biologically immortal yeah but they're not like you know unkillable like in the literal sense which is important because that will that that will become a an important factor of other types of beings in this universe that we'll touch on regular vampires and their traits i'm just gonna run through them quickly so how one becomes a regular vampire is that another vampire has to feed you their blood and then you die with that blood in your system. The death can be as violent or non-violent <laughs> as you like. Uh, <laughs> in the in the series, we see people get shot, or exsanguinated, or stabbed, or suffocate with pillows, or have their neck snapped. snapped. Although I have to assume that your body must still be like intact. We we never see someone's like head get ripped off and then they come back and then they
0: grow back another one right and that touches (laughs) as well into like the properties of vampire blood which i'll put a pin in for when we get to it later
1: so what happens after a a regular person dies with vampire blood in their system is they will rise a few hours later it's it's not usually like a whole day but it, it it does it, it it does take a while. It's an overnight kind of vibe. It's like it's like taking an afternoon nap, but like you overshoot your mark and you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, will I <laughs> sleep for three hours? You're fully
0: disoriented and you're not sure what time it is. You've got all the lines across your face from the pillow, except you're dead. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: so a vampire will basically resurrect in what is called transition. In this stage, they are between their human life and their new vampire undead life. And in order to fully complete this transition they need to then consume what is stated to be a significant amount of human blood that's what they say but there are some characters who if you watch the show they complete their transition with like a few drops like it's not <laughs> it's a sip like <laughs>
0: it's a sip the two examples that rise to mind for me is vicky in season one and then elena in season four yes. and they get like a sip of blood yes abs- and they're good absolutely I think vicky does it real quick because she sneaks it from oh what's his name logan fell while stefan is down from a wooden bullet and it's like a real quick a little slurp and then she's like i'm sorry and she runs off and i remember elena took like a little drop and it was to save someone basically she was in transition at the beginning of season four and then in order to break out of a cell or something she took a little bit of blood and then had vampire strength rating. and it happened off screen but like the implication was like just enough to complete the transition.
1: It was it was literally it was literally on her fingertips. If you don't complete the transition if you don't you have I think about a day or so, like m- maybe less than a day, but I think 24 hours would be the absolute max. That sounds right. Um to complete the transition by drinking human blood and it has to be human blood. If you don't, you will then die again and that'll be it. You'll be dead properly. And what happened to Elena um in the season 4 premiere is that she was nearing the end of her her allotted time to complete her transition. They managed to kill someone right outside her cell and their blood like trickles close to like the door of the cell that she's right next to and she stretches her fingers through the bars and touches the blood and brings it up to her lips. And that is apparently enough, as you said. That is enough, because clearly she broke out of the cell at that point. And it's, it's funny because in season two, When Caroline is in transition in the hospital, she she gets a blood bag, she sips some blood. Like, she has a good couple of sips over, like, a a period of a couple of minutes. And then only when she, like, downs the whole blood bag properly does she then complete transition. So it's like, wow, she she really needed to guzzle it down in order for it to work (laughs) for her. But Elena just gets a few drops on her fingertips and she's okay. So once the transition is completed, the person is now fully vampire. It follows the basic blueprint that
0: most vampire creation rules do. Like a lot of other stories, it's the it's the exchanging of blood. Well, I mean, here you just have to drink vampire blood and then die. In some stories, the vampire must drink mm-hmm. from you, and then you drink from the vampire, and then you die. Um, I, I think as much as different stories differentiate a key thing for me that makes like a vampire creation rule set just real chief is burying the fledgling that's like a really for me personally and my personal taste i'm like that's the one that really seals the deal if you're missing out on that one it's like ah, it's a shame obviously it's because the whole vibe of the show it's a cw show it's like a teen drama it's almost like a action type thing it doesn't fit the vibe to be like okay and now we bury this person and we wait overnight and then dig they dig themselves out because they've got vampire strength of transition but i just think like you see it in true blood you see it in not to invoke the mortal instruments but the shadow hunter series does it you see it in vampire's apprentice i think they also do it just like the burying of the fledgling is a really cool visual for me
1: it's a visual. It's a visual that you also get a lot in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm, yes, but there are certain instances where you you can see that it's it's not required. They sometimes come across newly turned vampires who are like in a coffin in a funeral house or something. So they definitely don't need to be put into the earth in that in that um universe and then in twilight there's no blood exchange required at all you just get bitten and then they have venom so... yeah
0: the venom thing yeah, which everyone... is like <laughs> i don't know how i feel about vampire venom fortunately they don't do it in vampire diaries because obviously it'd be weird with the werewolves because werewolves have venom it would be kind of an and and yeah. an overlap there that's not necessary narratively
1: i didn't i didn't mind it because i definitely have been exposed to other vampire fiction where you know if you are bitten you're infected and you turn oh but what i didn't like was was the idea that this means in the twilight universe not to get too much into twilight but in the (laughs) twilight universe everyone bitten by a vampire either dies from being drained completely or is destined to become a vampire themselves because once you're bitten
0: there is no a petite oh i forget what it's called i just watched the interview of the vampire series but there is no little drink every time you drink you have to kill them unless you want them turned that's crazy Good thing Carla is a doctor.
1: <laughs> no, okay. We're not I, talking about. I promise not, about. not to bring up Twilight for the rest of for the rest of this episode. <laughs> well, you know, now that we're 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 at the part where you know a person has turned into a vampire, we can just get into the abilities. All of their physical abilities are now at superhuman levels. So strength, speed, reflexes, agility. We see examples of all of that. There are vampires who. When darts are shot at them or knives are thrown at them, they're able to catch them in midair. They are incredibly fast. Not like the flash fast, (laughs) but fast enough that when they, when they run from one place to another, they become these vibrating blurs of motion. Their strength tends to vary depending on the plot, mm-hmm. as as often happens with TV shows that have super strength. And one of their interesting abilities, which, in, which I like because in this universe it explains why so many people might be turned into vampires by mistake, is that a normal human who ingests vampire blood will be healed from any conventional injuries that they might have. hmm so this, this is the reason why a lot of vampires in the show are turned in the first place. Because they happen to have vampire blood in their system to heal some sort of injury. And then they happened to die while that blood was still in their system. Vampire blood, I think, is only in your system for about 24 hours. Because when Jeremy takes Anna's blood at the end of season one. Yes. And then downs all of those sleeping pills. When Stefan and Elena find him at the beginning of season two... And the vampire blood, interestingly, has actually healed whatever damage the sleeping pills would have done to his body. Right, right. And Stefan warns him that while the vampire blood has healed the sleeping pills' uh, poison, for lack of a better word, he tells Jeremy that with every second the vampire blood is being processed out of his body, and if he tries to take the sleeping pills again, he might actually die. So... Yeah, vampire blood doesn't last that long. Like maybe, like a, maybe like a day. That
0: instance, that event raised a, a, a question in terms of like, okay, so because we talked about how the death doesn't matter in in order to transition into a vampire so long as you have vampire blood in your system. And because of that, in the very many ways you can die as a human on this earth, what's the point on the scale of injury where it's like, okay, from here to here, The vampire blood will heal you before you die. And then you cross an event horizon. And then beyond that, you've died too quickly. (laughs) The blood can't (laughs) save you. And now it'll turn you. Because it's like, okay, Jeremy downing a bunch of sleeping pills. That wasn't fast acting enough. The vampire blood was, I guess, healing him as the pills were coursing through his body. But it's like, if you're bleeding out as a human and you've got vampire blood in your system, then can the blood clot you before you die elena who drowned right famously drowned with vampire blood in her system and came back a vampire could the blood not like not together her lungs as she was drowning i don't know how drowning works again listen biology is not drowning is
1: often seen as a gray area when it comes to people with the ability to heal I know it comes up in the X-Men in the X Men comics a lot, where it's like, oh, would, would drowning be able to hurt Wolverine? And usually they hand wave it and they say his body would just heal from whatever lack of oxygen does to you.
0: Right. If the vampire blood is perpetually healing you over time, would it heal you as you're drowning? Wouldn't it heal you as you're drowning and then run out? If that is even how it works, if it gets used up in the healing process, and then when you die, you've got no blood in your system? I don't know. I'm not saying this definitively, but I'm saying it raises that question.
1: Maybe the point at which a person's heart has stopped and there's no hope of resuscitating them is the point where the vampire blood is now going to put you into transition rather than healing you. But people have come back from that sort of thing is the thing. Even with drowning, even with like heart stopping, they can
0: CPR you, not CPR, they can EKG you, right? Run an electric pulse through you and restart your heart. Is that resurrection or is that reversing time?
1: Maybe the vampire blood is eager. Maybe you could have resuscitated Elena, but the blood brought her back too quickly (laughs) for resuscitation. So it's like, oops, no CPR for you your own transition now
0: (laughs) but like if you brought someone back with human means and they were clinically dead for a little bit of time then does the resurrection take
1: hold that's essentially
0: another a follow-up
1: question i don't know just curious things so those are the more obvious physical abilities of a vampire well there's also the fangs yes they're uh, slightly important (laughs) before i before i get into the psychic abilities yes a vampire vampires in this world I promise not to reference a certain other fictional work, so <laughs> I won't say anything. No, dis- disclaimer, I actually I actually did enjoy that book series and that film series at the time that it was coming out. I was a part of the audience, fine. I was a teenager, hmm. I-, <laughs> I grew up and I looked back and I was like, eh,
0: yeah. I don't think
1: I'm, in- I'm into it anymore. But at the time, I, I thought it was pretty nice that's fair I, I def
0: i know that i was a like an early teenager when i was watching the movies and then by the time the last movie rolled around that was when it hit of like oh these are kind of mm, i don't know and, and you at this point in my adult years i have like a weird like almost stockholm relationship with them like i realize <laughs> all the awful issues and all the problems within the text and without but also it's like there's a very there's a microcosm of vibes from my youth that is like entrenched in my brain that is because of those movies
1: and it's hard to let that go i love it you use the term stockholm considering the 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 work that you are speaking about <laughs> that's all i'll say on that no, um, no. <laughs> the vampires in the vampire diaries do have fangs i think it's just their upper canines that can elongate and sharpen into the classic vampire fangs uh there are certain scenes where it looks like maybe some of the other teeth have also sharpened a bit but that might have just been what the special effects or costume department felt like doing that day i do believe that i i saw nina dobrev in an interview once nina dobrev who plays uh elena and Catherine, she said that the the fangs were done by putting these uh fake teeth over their real teeth, Oh. and I think they were like flat, so it wasn't like a like a covering going over the whole tooth, but just like a flat thing going over the front of the tooth. Okay. Because I think she 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 put it on on this like talk show that she was uh, being interviewed on. That was, it was interesting to see that. I was like, oh, okay, so that's how it works. I, I didn't imagine that they would be like basically two dimensional.
0: I'll have to look that up because I always thought it was just effects. You see the the way they grow out. You can be like, yeah, that's some graphic stuff. But I didn't know that there
1: was practical effect to it as well. I could tell there was practical effect because there's one scene where Catherine is about to attack Bonnie mm. and her fangs have come out and then Bonnie uh, is not strong enough to fight Catherine but she is able to open all the doors of the room that they're in exposing them to everyone's like line of sight and Catherine is like mildly impressed that Bonnie was able to think of that so like she stops and she closes her mouth and you can see that the teeth don't really fit oh. <laughs> in Adobro's mouth because she she makes like a weird sort of mouth like like the mouth you'd make if you were like trying to hold water in that you hadn't swallowed yet. So I, I I figured from that that, okay, there's clearly something on your teeth right now that you can't <laughs> close your jaw properly. <laughs> the vampires not only have fangs, but a whole vampire face that they're able to bring out. Now, sometimes it comes out instinctively when they are hungry or feeling threatened or emotional but they can also bring it out uh, willfully and what happens is their sclera which are the white of one's eyes their sclera will go blood red and then dark veins will appear just underneath their eyelids spreading downwards towards the tops of their cheeks it's a really cool vampire face i had never seen anything like it before yeah and you
0: often will see um sort of vampire stories play with eye color because that's the easiest way to give an element of inhumanness to an otherwise human looking creature you just give them a really bizarre eye color that you wouldn't see just like on a person and then it's the usual like fangs claws those sorts of things and unless you're gonna go full dracula with it and go okay full body transformation you can turn into like a bad person and that's how you know there's something going on
1: (laughs) hey i I actually, I enjoy The Bad People, hey? The Van Helsing film from, like, 2004 or whatever it was. Oh,
0: don't get me wrong. Van Helsing is one of my favorite. It was not well received critically, but there's a reason it became a cult classic. It's one of my favorite pieces of, like, supernatural media. I love the Van Helsing movie. Also in a show where you can't do the the sort of pallid complexion of vampires that you usually see in vampire, like, mythos, because we have all these hot actors and they need to be hot on screen because it's a CW show. So with all these like aspects that you kind of lose of what vampires look like, you've got to get creative in how you're presenting them. And I, as you say, I think they made some really good choices. The eye stuff is really cool. The darkening of the sclera, the, the, the fangs all combined. It, it really gives you the effect of, okay, this otherwise human looking individual can go into this attack mode almost that is this really animalistic predatory looking visage so i really i
1: really do like the vampire face as we call it when a vampire is still in transition they do not have access to vampire fangs or the vampire face they do have a bit of heightened strength You don't see it much because it isn't usually relevant, but the the one time you do see it is in the flashback of when Stefan becomes a vampire. He is able to push someone with inhumane strength by by mistake. He didn't even realize how strong he was. Mm -hmm. So because of that, it's canon that when you're in transition, you are already slightly stronger. You got a little taste. Once the transition is completed, if it's completed, the first thing that happens is the vampire will get the veiny eyes and the the blood red sclera as like a a signifier that okay this this is now like a fully turned vampire sometimes the fangs will pop out sometimes you you don't always see them maybe just because the person's mouth is closed i I know when caroline became a vampire it really seemed to happen in stages first she got the eyes then she looked in the mirror in like and it, it seemed almost painful for her as her teeth like lengthened into fangs i don't know whether that was because the sensation of them growing felt uncomfortable or maybe she was just horrified the horror of seeing it
0: happen i think also because caroline is the first main character to become a vampire other uh, technically vicky is the first main character but because vicky is not part of the like inner inner circle for as much as as you said she has connections to all the main characters also it's her only storyline up until that point that, like, as you're saying, matters to the central plot. So they're gonna make it like a whole to-do. They're not just gonna get through it quickly because we need to focus on Caroline's emotional response and her textual response to what's happening to her as the plot of the story. Whereas when Vicky was going through it, we're focusing on everyone else's response
1: to now this problem that has been presented in Vicky's Becoming a Vampire. So, vampires also have uh, heightened sensory abilities. They have superhuman hearing. They're able to hear people from very far away. There's a scene at the end of Season 2 in which Stefan is, like, up on a clifftop, I guess. And Klaus is, like, down in the valley below, and Klaus sees Stefan, and Stefan speaks to him from up there without raising his voice. Right. And Klaus is able to hear him perfectly before he (laughs) he uses his super vamp speed to run up to stand beside him.
0: There is also the iconic—it's like, it becomes Caroline's move, I think, in season three— where she pulls some of her hair out from blocking her ear and like co- like tucks it over her ear and she's listening in. She becomes like it's it's such a symbol of like vampire espionage that like Caroline goes oh let me just tuck my hair I'm being super nonchalant and chill and then she's eavesdropping on a conversation from like a hundred feet away.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like oh let's see what what happens when a person is now learning how to use their new superpowers.
0: And you know what? Not to get into it, but a testament to when Stefan is given free reign over the training process. The vampire survives the, you know? the show. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we all know why Vicky went down. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> hey, Vicky also wasn't willing to listen. It wasn't just because Dilman was <laughs> trying to get step in Stefan's way. Vicky was also like, I don't want to do it
0: Stefan's way. I want to eat people. <laughs> the other thing, as well, in terms of their enhanced physicality, with their enhanced strength and their enhanced speed, a thing that they can do, but very rarely do. It's jump really high. The most clear visual I have in my head is in like season four or five. And it's Stefan and I can't remember right now if it's Elena or Catherine who jump to the top of a building in either mystic falls or in chicago it felt more city like than mystic falls does but they jumped to the top of this like building that may have a clock tower or something it might have been elena in her no humanity era maybe that's why i'm getting like catherine vibes
1: that is quite a high jump the jump i was thinking of when i mentioned their agility was in season one I think it's, is it Bonnie who's fallen into the tomb? Yes. Or is the, 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 the outer part of the tomb? Yes. And Stefan is able to go in and get her out by holding onto her and then jumping out with her. Um, in his arms it's a it's a strange looking jump he doesn't really like bend down to spring it's also not shot well they cut too quickly and it's like oh
0: we suddenly teleported no we jumped out of the hole (laughs) (laughs) but i give it a pass because that's one of my favorite scenes
1: i was like it's it's fine i don't don't know how vampire muscles work yeah (laughs) circling back to their senses it's said that vampires have enhanced vision we don't really see that beyond them being able to see really well in the dark we never get we never get a pov showing what darkness actually looks like to them like as compared to normal vision
0: type shot yeah that would be (laughs) kind of cool but again it's like that wouldn't really fit the vibe i don't know it's very hard to i know i say that a lot in terms of like what they do with vampires but like there's a very particular vibe when one you're doing a show on the cw and it's like a teen drama and also the vibe of like the supernatural drama and action that the vampire diaries is there's there's certain things that if you think of it's like that wouldn't make sense on the show and that that comes back to what they try in the pilot in terms of vampire abilities that they drop off because it's like it doesn't really fit the vibe of the show but it was a thing that happened in the books where it's like well vampires can kind of do these weird mystical things where it's like they can make fog kind of appear out of nowhere. Damon has this crow that he's sending everywhere and it's like really kind of old-style
1: vampires. <laughs> they were very Dracula-like in in the book. Exactly. I I don't know what their intent was in the show because they obviously like you say they leave that behind after the pilot, but in the books Damon, I think physically turns into a crow yes and vampires can become all sorts of animals but i think the crow just happens to be Damon's favorite this
0: might be a fully invented memory but i think stefan was more partial to like small mammals maybe i'm inventing that in my mind but i read those books when i was really young so
1: i don't remember exactly (laughs) i don't recall maybe you're thinking of his diet (laughs) i don't (laughs) you know what (laughs) partial (laughs) to small mammals (laughs) oh in
0: terms of what i think they were doing it's full speculation but i think they were maybe like trying to draw in the book crowd because they were fairly popular books for as much as like probably no one today would know much about them beyond the fact that the vampire diaries were a book series lj smith was killing it in the 90s she was working for a company making these books and they said hey we want to do this genre and we kind of want these things and she was like okay great and then she built the vampire diaries with that story just ticking in the boxes that they want to like sell this book there's a great jenny nicholson video uh on youtube if you don't know jenny nicholson watch some jenny nicholson but she does like a three hour deep dive into the vampire diary show and she mentions how the books came to be in that or you can just look up lj smith wait why did i go into that tangent what was i saying oh yes um i think that they were attempting to draw in the book crowd with like recognizable elements from the book and then once they got the pilot and they went a couple episodes in, because apparently the crow is there until like episode five. We just had a mutual friend tweet about this, actually, because she is currently re-watching the Vampire Diaries. But <laughs> once they were through it, they were like, this doesn't really fit anymore. We're just going to kind of drop the crow. <laughs> and then they just left it behind.
1: <laughs> of their enhanced senses, the the third one is sense of smell, that they can smell really well. It, it usually only comes up when they're trying to snip out someone's blood, if someone's bleeding. But there are times when people are able to track other people who have been in certain places or smell their clothes in order to pick up a scent. So they're basically like bloodhounds, if you'll excuse the unintentional pun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they
0: are, which really begs the question, like this rivalry between vampires and werewolves. You're very similar. Or maybe I guess that's what it draws out of. Like we're two predatory species that can't occupy the same like space so we must fight to the death
1: of course i mean you know both as i said they're both made from humans and we know how humans are (laughs) fair compulsion or mind compulsion as it's sometimes called is the classic vampire (laughs) hypnosis ability that's what it's Mm -hmm. called in the vampire diaries uh, compulsion it allows a vampire to basically just mesmerize a normal person by normal, I mean a person with no magical abilities of their own into doing whatever it is the vampire tells them to. This includes not just commands, which the person may or may not really remember having control over, but it also allows them to erase memories or manipulate memories or create completely new memories. And in the books and in the series, although to a lesser extent in the series, it also it also bleeds into their ability to enter people's dreams And manipulate dreams.
0: That's the thing I was going to mention where it's like... They drop it for a long time and then pick it up again when the story needs it in season 3. And then drop it again (laughs) and then pick it up. The dream one is more commonly brought back. But there's an aspect to it that's almost like... Maybe not mind control. But like they can manipulate your mind to perceive reality.
1: Oh, like, like, like illusions.
0: Yes. Yes, illusion. But also... So Lexi in season three, when she comes back in Ghost World, yes. while she has Stefan tied up, she's teaching Elena the like textbook method of getting Stefan out of a bender. She gets into his mind. She weakens him so that she can get into his mind and then starts running the clock, essentially, and convinces his mind that he's gone a month, three months, nine months, six years without having had blood so that she can dry him out quicker than it would take to just wait him out. So that she can work on his mind to like snap his emotions back into place. So there's that aspect of mind manipulation that goes beyond compulsion. That's really only brought back like once in a blue moon. But the dream one is more common.
1: That's actually the only instance I can think of where they are affecting a person's perception of reality while the person is fully conscious. Because there, 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 is, a scene, there is a scene in season two when Stefan is trapped in the tomb with Catherine. Catherine manipulates his mind. Like he, from his perception, he's having a conversation with her and she's flirting with him pretty aggressively. Um, and he's getting irritated with, irritated with her. And then suddenly he snaps and just like starts kissing her furiously and they get hot and heavy. And all of a sudden, Stephen wakes up and he's like lying on the space that he had been like using as a bed. And it's like, Oh, okay. So I guess cat, he, maybe he dozed off and Catherine was in his head making him. See these things, or see himself acting this way. Because I mean, you, you you know, stefan would never kiss know. <laughs> like God no, no. he's uh, well. I mean, he's so see, done with two, so long before Catherine so Stephen would never kiss starts. <laughs> but
0: also, that's <laughs> so that's a dream though. Is the thing right? It's it's, it's you, He was sleeping. The dream one is very common, and Damon does it most often. Where Damon creates a dream for Rose as she's dying. He enters her mind and creates like one last happy moment before she dies of a werewolf bite. um they get into rebecca's head that way to figure out why she's been snooping around the town council to find the last white oak damon and sage do that there's another one later damon gets into catherine's mind through her dreams when catherine is dying to like torture her one last time before she goes (laughs) dark parallel to rose so like the dream one is more common so that one with catherine and Stefan makes sense it's just the like stefan is conscious when lexi is doing this to him when she's manipulating his perception of reality he's very much alive and awake and he starts like responding exactly to what she's describing he starts and his energy begins to become more haggard and become sweaty and become like slouch slouched over because he's perceiving this like six year passing of having had no blood so it's it's different from the dream thing i think
1: yeah, it, it seems to be. I just, I can't think of any other instances where anyone does what Lexi did. I remember at the time, because when, when I first saw that episode, I hadn't watched Vampire Diaries from the beginning, so I didn't know for sure how things were working. At the time, I wondered what Lexi was doing. I was like, is this a ghost specific ability? Like, <laughs> what, like, what is this? <laughs> Looking back, I, I realized that she, that she still had access to her vampire powers. Maybe, Maybe it's because Lexi was so old as a vampire.
0: Yeah, I guess if you're 300.
1: Which 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 leads into my next thing. Uh, vampires' abilities get stronger with age. A lot of vampire stories do this. Not all of them, but uh, a lot of them do show that the, the older a vampire is, the more time a vampire has spent as a vampire. The more powerful whatever special skills they have will be. And as we said before, in the Vampire Diaries universe, vampires who are significantly older than other vampires will have those advantages of strength and speed. And uh, also, while vampires can get inside each other's heads, which, as you said, shows that it's not the same as compulsion because ordinary vampires can't compel can't each compel other.
0: can vampires, yeah.
1: It is, it is difficult for vampires to get into the heads of someone, of, of another vampire who is significantly older than them. Damon is able to get into Catherine's head as she's dying because by that point, Catherine has become a human being again. When Damon and Sage get into Rebecca's head, she, who's much older than both of them, she is asleep, <laughs> and I guess in, she is asleep. She's she's in postcoital bliss. Oh, because it keeps just coming had back. Three, so... This is the fourth episode we've <laughs>
0: mentioned that phrase. <laughs>
1: We can't keep doing I'm sorry. It's it's the CW's fault. It's not my fault. No fair. And uh, I said it last time, so I guess I'm right in it. Rebecca was tired, and that's why they were able to get into her head. What's interesting about that episode is later on, uh, Sage is able to get into Damon's head without him noticing at all. Yeah,
0: because she's 800 years older
1: than him. Yes, she's able to pluck information from his head that he is actively lying to her about and he doesn't even sense her entering. Whereas when they are trying to get into Rebecca's head, they're very careful, almost as if they're worried that she will feel their presence. I think I've covered all the abilities of regular vampires. As I said, uh, regular vampires can't compel each other. They also cannot compel other supernatural creatures. Mm, Which is a huge get. Within the context of Vampire Diaries, and the originals all the supernatural creatures we see are some flavor of vampire werewolf, or witch
0: yeah we should we should have specified we we we're only going to be talking within the framework of the vampire diaries and the originals because we have not seen i've seen a bit of the legacies but it wasn't terribly impressive and i don't care about it I've,
1: i've seen enough of legacies to know that a gargoyle shows up really early on uh which is not something we'd ever seen and I do. I have heard that fairies and at least one dragon later on show up.
0: I I was there for the beginnings of the dragon plot, and I was like, it feels like we've jumped the shark a little bit. Not to say that about <laughs> the Vampire Diaries, which was doing that all the time. But I feel like where the Vampire Diaries was hopping, Legacies
1: was like taking pole vault jumps. So I can't really. <laughs> The spin-off from the same show that was like, no, our vampires can't have Dracula's weather-manipulating powers and be right. able to shapeshift into creatures of the night. <laughs>
0: right, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's like, well, well, now
0: we can do dragons? All right, my guy. Now we can bring demigods in?
1: But, I, I mean, hey, I mean, Vampire Diaries in the originals ran for a long time, and I often say that with a show like that, if you're going to refuse to expand your supernatural world, for some people it might get a little stale.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Shows like True Blood, as they go on, you then learn about, like, the first season is all about vampires, but then you learn about shapeshifters and werewolves and fairies and dryads and... But
0: you know what's great about that show? From the get-go, you start off with a fairy. Even though you don't know it until later in the show, they've opened with fairy. <laughs> they've said this girl is psychic this girl shoots light out of her palms actually i don't know when she learns how to do that well she but... she doesn't she doesn't
1: start with the light shooting it's it's just the
0: mind reading that she sure. starts but with. they go we've got us we've got a psychic we've got vampires we've got werewolves we've got shifters we have a main ad? Which is like, it's never footy Oh yes, there. it's a
1: main ad, not a dryad, sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a main ad who is like a, a, a scion of a Greek god. It's like they weren't buckling up about it. They said from the get-go we're getting crazy with this. So I appreciate that much. I think you can get away with a lot more. Especially if you're like an HBO show rather than a CW show. You can just kind of go ham.
1: I mean, I guess, I guess it's up to you and the vibe you want to go with when you're creating a show. Vampire Diaries comes across as trying to be more grounded in its supernatural stuff. It's why I often complain. I mean, not to not to get too much into witches, but it's why I often complain. But sometimes the the magic on Vampire Diaries is very <laughs> it's it's not flashy. Like it's like the witches are doing a lot. Like their magic is is capable of doing a lot of versatile stuff. But in it's a lot of, of wind. See... It's a lot of
0: telekinesis. Yeah. It's a lot of giving. People a lot of headaches. a lot of
1: a lot of flames and and fireworks like sparkles. Yeah. People bleeding. Um, And a lot of the spells have the same visual effect.
0: It's like, I want to see you conjure things.
1: Yes, yes. I want to see
0: you do blood magic. I want to see spiritual familiars. I want to see, like, cool magic stuff. I want to see you summon a fireball from the heavens and scorch the earth. (laughs) I don't know, just a little bit
1: more. But uh, so what were we talking about? Because now I've, I've lost my my thread. We were on we were, we were <laughs> yeah, on um, vampires. Um, oh, vampires can't compel other supernatural creatures. Yes, they can't compel other supernatural creatures. Initially, I I don't know whether it's Sheila or Bonnie because those are the two witches that we start the show with who point out that they can't be compelled. I think it's Bonnie who says she can't be compelled. She doesn't say it's because she's supernatural. I think she says it's because she's a witch that witches can't be compelled. Yes. Later on, when werewolves are introduced. Damon just Damon who's never met a werewolf before none of the main characters have but Damon just assumes that Mason will be immune to compulsion he says oh he's supernatural so I'm betting compulsion doesn't work on him and I'm like but in your life the only supernatural creatures you'd ever met were vampires and witches so how do you know that but okay (laughs) I have had they not met werewolves in their life No, because, uh, Damon didn't even believe in werewolves initially. When the curse of the sun and moon is brought up. What? Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. When the, when the curse of sun and moon is brought up, Damon is like, Werewolves can't be real. Like, I've, I've been alive. 160 years. If werewolves are real, where the heck are they? And it's funny because the show then answers that question with, oh, the rivalry between vampires and werewolves means that werewolves have been hunted to like near extinction. That's why they're so scarce. But as the show goes on, they become so commonplace that it's like, yeah, it is, it is weird. It is weird that Stefan and Damon never met a werewolf before.
0: Especially Stefan who keeps coming back to
1: Mystic Falls. It's like, you've never seen one? Stefan who's friends with Lexi, who's much older than him. Like, what does that mean? It's like, you, you guys didn't oh. know, because when we get to, like, the originals, nearly everybody who's supernatural knows werewolves exist. Like vampires and witches are constantly talking about
0: them also how are i mean i know i I have to imagine the werewolves being hunted to extinction well i don't know if it's intentional but there's like an indigenous american parallel there but also how are werewolves being hunted to extinction when the werewolf bite on it's just a simple bite is fatal to
1: vampires like how do they manage 29 days of each month werewolves are weaker than vampires they can still get one bite in no, the the bite only works when they are in wolf form. Doesn't Tyler bite Caroline while he's in human form? That's when Tyler's a hybrid. Which we'll get to. We'll 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 get to hybrid. Okay. That's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> so after after Damon says that, oh, Mason is supernatural, so he can't be compelled, that seems to be the rule. That oh okay, if you're a supernatural creature, which in this world, there are only two other kinds that aren't vampires. It means you can't be well at at that point. And later on, we find out that there's fairies, but uh, at that point, it's it's just it's just witches and werewolves. And it's like okay, so that's the rule now. But then doppelgangers are this weird yes, this weird gray area when it comes to the rules that govern supernatural creatures. That was what I was thinking. Doppelgangers of. are supernatural enough that the Gilbert rings won't work for them. And that Gilbert rings will work against them As in if they kill someone wearing a Gilbert ring The person will come back to life But they are not supernatural enough to resist compulsion Like werewolves and witches are
0: That feels unfair It uh, it,
1: it feels, does I, I would like
0: to speak for the doppelganger population I am an ally to my To my supernatural twins <laughs> I think they should get a little bit Of what the rest are getting Because like why aren't we all sitting at the same table You know I mean I <laughs> guess
1: you can you can hand wave it As in your supernatural power as being an exact copy of someone who was human thousands blood. of years ago. Yeah. So that's that's what you get. I mean their their blood has magical properties, so they get to be an ingredient for witches' spells all the time. That's
0: how crappy to be a supernatural like a supernatural spice can, essentially, <laughs> for a witch to <laughs> grab and shake into yeah. their brew.
1: I don't constantly seasoning and flavoring their spells. <laughs> supernatural <with garbazala. laughs> But yeah, while we're on the topic of vampires and their relationship with supernatural creatures, vampirism, I described transition and how that affects ordinary baseline humans. The rules are generally the same for doppelgangers, who, as I say, are for all intents and purposes human, except that doppelganger blood is the favorite seasoning of of witches when they're doing their magic. And (laughs) once a doppelganger becomes a vampire, that magic is gone. We see this with Catherine who was going to be used in a sacrifice for Klaus and then was able to turn herself into a vampire by tricking a vampire into giving her blood and then hanging herself. And once she did that, she was useless to Klaus, who then hunted her for hundreds of years to get revenge, but knew that he would never be able to use her in the sacrifice. Which, damn, that's a grudge. That that's quite a grudge. He's like he's like, I know you are useless to me now, but
0: I can respect that. For as much as it's like, well, I don't see how she's this enemy of yours now when she was just trying to save her own damn life. But I do respect a uh, longstanding grudge. A similar thing to that There was a general sense of like, two supernatural creaturenesses can't coexist in your own body. Witches as servants of nature. We talked about this in the S est- episode. Witches and vampires. You can't be both. So as a witch, if you're turned into a vampire, you lose your
1: witch power. Yes, which witches tend to take very very hard also uh werewolves that we see in the series it's said and it's shown that a a witch cannot become a vampire we are never explicitly told that werewolves can't become vampires we we will get into the hybrid thing but in terms of a werewolf becoming an ordinary vampire turned by ordinary vampire blood it's never shown what would happen if a vampire tried that
0: yeah, I am curious to know. Well, because apparently they didn't know they existed, so who would have tried that? You know? <laughs> I mean, All the vampires apparently didn't know they were werewolves.
1: <laughs> werewolves have their own healing, so it makes sense that we wouldn't get a lot of instances with a werewolf that has ingested vampire blood for practical purposes. Mm. But I, I, I still would have really liked to know. What that would have done Because you you can understand Maybe that's one of the reasons Why witches hate vampires so much And distrust them It's like oh You are this virus That can fundamentally change Who and what I am Sometimes against my will And make me into something That I don't want to be And sever my connection With my power And my heritage Yeah, And I'm like Do werewolves feel the same way does a similar thing happen to them we we never get to see it yeah that is curious from there we'll get to hybrids in a bit but i'm gonna go to originals (laughs) now yeah 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 yeah. that makes more sense the the original vampires who are actually introduced before werewolves in the series in season two just like like just a little bit before werewolves show up so original vampires we've explained this in the esther and michael episode they are michael esther's husband and the <laughs> and <laughs> his claim to fame. I love it. And the five children that he raised with her who were alive and with the family at the time that Esther created Bamprison. So in the show, there are six original vampires in total. That number dwindles very quickly once they start getting involved with the Mystic Falls people.
0: Oh, <laughs> something that'll certainly ensure your demise is getting involved with the Mystic Falls case. Yes, yes.
1: Even if you're a Mystic Falls native, stay away from those people.
0: <laughs> Walk past on in the street, you do not know them.
1: So yeah, those those are the six originals. Michael and his children. Of, of, we we know Klaus isn't his real child, but you know he he raised him and he he believed it was his child for like He's at least the two decades. <laughs> <stepped laughs> Michael, Michael is the father who stepped. Up. He's
0: the father who stepped down,
1: frankly. <laughs> the father who stepped all over his son, more like. Um, but it's Finn, Elijah, Nick Klaus, who goes by Klaus, Cole and Rebecca. Michael dies pretty early on, and then we are left with the five original siblings. They seem to be the ones who are better known, I guess because they have a reputation for all the mayhem that comes with vampirism. Whereas Michael spent most of his most of his life just hunting them and just just oh, wanting yeah. to end them. A lot of collateral damage in the way, but he wasn't like going out of his way to hurt people. He was just like, I, I really want to murder Klaus. And, if necessary, spank my kids for supporting him over me. Right. And at some
0: point, he learns to feed on vampires rather than humans. So, it's not like he's leaving the same
1: score of destruction that his children are across history. So, the the originals are a thousand plus uh, because they were created a thousand years prior to the show. And uh, initially, in the Vampire Diaries, we aren't really given a clear time frame of when they started to spread vampirism any vampire turned by an original vampire will be a regular vampire and then from then on the the sire line as they call it will just be regular vampires and while the originals are explicitly stated to be over a thousand years old the oldest non-original vampire that we see in the vampire diaries is sage who is explicitly stated to be 900 yes at the time i was a bit i was a bit confused about sage's age and i want to get like your opinion on this because in season three she She says she's nine hundred, but then she she has a lot of conversations with Finn about Mystic Falls and what it used to be, like the place that the originals had known prior to you know the right, the proper colonization of the Americas. So it's like, was she there? That's what I thought. I thought maybe she was there, and the maybe the scriptwriter just made a mistake calling her nine hundred because like she's walking around town. And she's like, Finn tells her, oh, I remember that spot. That was where the natives used to worship their gods. And then uh, Sage is like, oh, and that's where you used to sneak off away from your siblings to go meet up with your tawdry lady friend, referring to herself. And I assumed then that, okay, Finn knew uh, Sage in his human life. But now I think that maybe it's possible that Finn and his siblings just circled back at some point. And Sage was one of these sage was one of these norwegian descended people who just <laughs> happened to be living there
0: <laughs> we did say this in the last episode of like klaus at some point has to go back to get his mother's body and kill whatever benners yes. were guarding it so maybe
1: they did so there, back. there it is that's the head canon when klaus came back to get esther's body finn met a human woman sage and fell in love with her she's the first and only person that finn turns
0: and then he gets daggered at the point they circle back. We're just
1: adding to the canon now. Of, like, that's where... Yes, he, he, he gets daggered not long after that. He's, he, I think he's in Europe when he gets daggered. So he must have left oh, okay. for some reason. Because yeah. it's, he gets daggered during the whole Brotherhood of the Five thing.
0: Right, yes. Oh, does he get daggered during the Brotherhood of the Five and then they just never wake him up?
1: Yep, that was Klaus's decision. Klaus was like,
0: Klaus... Finn
1: has been irritating and morbid and boring and a buzzkill while we're trying to enjoy our immortal life, so I'm not going to wake him up. And the others were just like, I guess at that point they were like, well, now you have a weapon that you can use against any of us that doesn't work on you. So, so.
0: why would we ever fight against you? Yeah. Oh my goodness, Finn.
1: Poor Finn. Ah. Poor Finn, man. <laughs> the strange thing is you get the idea that Finn was not anyone's favorite sibling, but you definitely don't get the idea that Rebecca, Cole, and Elijah had anything against him. Cole's hatred of Finn is, is something that begins in the original spin-off. Yes, yes, like yes, yes. For most of their history, they seemed fine. So I'm like, and you guys just, you were fine just leaving him there? <laughs> for all See, this
0: is centuries this is why i mistakenly thought that elijah was the eldest because finn gives such middle child vibes the most ignored he's considered the least interesting nobody really likes him of his siblings and they left him daggered for 900 years i was like there's no way he's the eldest child it doesn't make any sense
1: (laughs) the the disrespected older brother finn is the finn is the elder sibling who has to follow the rules because he knows that when mom gets home from work he's gonna be the one who gets yelled at and because of that the others see him as the boring that's That's why he's the he's the least popular he's the one who's like have you guys done the dishes Did you take out the trash mom's gonna be tired when she gets home from work and they're like "Ugh, this
0: is the thing i have such a different experience of like first siblings because i myself am not a first sibling obviously maybe that's why i like commiserate with this finn that i had in my mind who was a middle child but like that is not my experience of the first sibling oh no i mean that's that's
1: not my experience either my my brother and i i I never found my brother boring like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my, my older brother he's he's the eldest and he was i definitely wouldn't leave him dagger in a box for 900 years i might I with what we learn about finn later on and his relationship with his mother and why he was so loyal to her and the fact that he carried this secret uh, of hers that nobody else knew you can understand why the other siblings would see his behavior as just this inexplicable irritating thing that he can never really be yeah, like, Yeah, and it's like, no we can't trust
0: you with anything because you'll just run and tell mom. Yeah,
1: I get yeah. it, I get it. I was just going to get onto the, the originals and, and their age and the age of non-original vampires because Sage is 900. And while initially I thought that might have been some kind of error, I now know it must be true because in the originals, we find that the first non-original vampires were definitely sired after Klaus and his siblings had been running around as immortals for one hundred years. Yes. So they got they got a, a century head start on all the other vampires, which might contribute to why they're so much stronger than any other vampire. But it also might just be their status as originals. They were going to be stronger no matter what, at least marginally stronger than someone who would have been the same age. Yeah, I'm 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 so
0: curious. We know that the Always and Forever trio each turned a person for the first time and we meet those three characters do we know who the
1: first person cole turned is that's the thing i was gonna say cole is the only person across both series who whom we never ever see turning anyone oh wow we never meet anyone who is explicitly from cole's bloodline of course, by the time he appears in the originals, he's already died once in his original body in Vampire Diaries, which means that everyone from his sireline has died with him. Right. Once he's once he's in New Orleans, he's even when he's put back into his original body, he's too busy to go about turning anybody, <laughs> and he's changed. So
0: yeah, he's not, he's not like the he's he's got a little bit of a growth, like a tiny growth, and also he was busy kicking it with the witches, so maybe he didn't care to like create vast armies not that that's what the other originals were doing klaus is really the only person who has that kind of mindset i think the others they all had different reasons for turning the people that they do turn again watch the originals it's so good to get into all of that but like i can't think of a reason at least post vampire diaries for Cole to like turn someone specifically maybe to get a couple of lackeys I, li- I
1: like that you bring up that Klaus always wants to amass vast armies because that actually answers a question i had which was why is it most almost all of the vampires we meet in the vampire diaries are from Klaus's side line yes yeah. in in the vampire diaries we don't meet a single person who we know for sure is from Cole Rebecca or Elijah We don't know where Lexi and her boyfriend whom she turned come from. They're both dead by the time... Well, no. Lexi is dead and we never see her boyfriend again by the time... We the never see the boyfriend stock, again. I'm yeah. curious
0: about that guy. I would love a little, a little story thing as to, like, whatever happened to him? He was interesting.
1: I like to I like to think maybe
0: he, he found new love. What, what was his thoughts when he found Damon killed um, Gina Torres? Because I would hope he comes back for that revenge. You've not only killed my girlfriend, you've killed my best friend now. So, like... <laughs> What's the school? We know Damon
1: gets away with everything. Ugh, <laughs> he never came back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe he was planning to and then one day he just died because he's from Finn's sireline. or oh, He Sierline. got killed up <laughs> from one of the sirelines. <laughs> but the, the, that's the thing, we, we we don't know. With the exception of with the exception of Lexi and her her man, everybody else we meet is either definitely from Klaus's sireline or vaguely implied to be. Anna and Pearl, for instance, it's never said, like, in the show, like, on screen, who turned them or where they come from, but the show's but canon is that- it's Catherine. Yes, the show's canon is that it's Catherine. It's also said that Catherine turned many of the tomb vampires. I don't know whether that means some of them were already vampires before they met her, or whether it just means some were turned by Pearl, like she turned Harper. So that means most, if not all, of the tomb vampires are from Klaus's and Sierlein. Rose is from Klaus's side line. I'm gonna assume so is Trevor because I'm gonna assume that that yep. would feed into why they're friends. Stefan and Damon are. Damon's blood is used to turn Abby, Bonnie's mom, as well as Caroline and Elena. So it's it's just this this long long list of Klaus's plus kids. back to Klaus Mikaelson. <laughs> and of course, all the hybrids are turned by him as well. We never meet anyone turned by Rebecca or Elijah until we get into the spin off show where. Obviously, Tristan is the first human that Elijah ever turned out of necessity. I can't remember. I believe Rebecca turned Aurora as the second ever human turned. But I can't remember whether, was it that Aurora tricked Rebecca into turning her? Or did Rebecca know what was going to happen?
0: I don't remember anything about that season. I'm sorry to not be an (laughs) assistant. I only remember who each original turned. I know Klaus turned
1: Lucius. Lucian. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um and I know Elijah turned Tristan and I know Rebecca turned Aurora because one the girl has to turn the girl a and hour. then two their like personalities match essentially like they're the people they turned make sense as proteges of their respective originals. Tristan's a bit more what's the word? He has a bit more sinister vibes than Elijah does, but he has the similar. Sort of, he's well put together in his dressing. He has this kind of air of nobility about him. He just seems a bit more bad vibes than Elijah. Where Elijah, it's like you could trust Elijah to have your best interests usually. Usually, and if he crosses, is always for forever. Then you better pray for your survival. But like <laughs> other than that, if you don't cross him, I think you're fine.
1: So, so with with uh Lucian and the De Martel siblings being the first vampire's turned, as I said, because we know that happens a century after the originals have been originals. That must mean that Sage, as the first vampire Finn turned, is definitely only 900 max because when we see the flashbacks of the Demartels and Lucien, Klaus and his siblings had no idea that they could make more vampires. They're like, oh, this is, this is a power we have? We had no clue. <laughs> it's like, damn, we weren't warned by
0: our dear mother about this. I mean, I have to assume she didn't know.
1: Ayana says this has the makings of a plague, but I mean, that could have just been a metaphor for how destructive these five kids are. Yeah,
0: what? Listen, I have a lot of respect for Ayana on principle, but damn, you could have explained it a little bit more clearly (laughs) if you had some forward knowledge. You could have been like, here's exactly how everything's going to go down, okay? You're going to make these vampires, and they're going to make more vampires, and then those vampires are going to make more vampires. And then what? Then what are you going to
1: do? Esther just scrolled past the terms and conditions. She was like, Except, accept, accept, <laughs> accept. It's fine. <laughs> Permissions enabled or whatever. She said, all cookies
0: accepted. Sell my data.
1: <laughs> so Sage, uh, our oldest vampire, and therefore the strongest non-original vampire, since vampires get stronger with age, the originals are the strongest, both because of their age and probably because of their status as originals. Now, I should have actually touched on the weaknesses that come with vampirism. There's a there's, there's a, a big difference between what weakens originals and what weakens uh, regular vampires, which is interesting because they came afterwards. So it's like when, when nature fought back and the Vervain burned them to touch and prevented compulsion and the wood of this um, white oak tree was the only thing that could permanently kill them. I wonder how that bled into... Just the the rules of magic in this world that it's it's much easier to hurt regular vampires who weren't part of esther's initial spell
0: in my mind, it's reverse evolution right because like typically when you get a progenitor and then you get further iterations of that species, they get better at adapting to. Like selective pressures, I think because vampires are undead and because they're an affront to nature there's like a reverse evolution happening where it's like, here are the progenitors that are harmed by these things and their successors will be more so harmed by
1: these things. Nature is almost fighting to get rid Ah. of them. You could also see it as, because the whole thing with Esther is that this was a form of protection for her kids. You could see it as the protective magic, which was never intended for all these other people being very diluted. Mm, because it's like, it's like, yeah, why, why are you yeah. sharing your gifts with these, these unworthy folks that aren't my kin? <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. all we know, the spell was tailored to only work to work on Esther's family, as in her immediate family. And once, once they started turning other people, um, when they realized they could do that you get less and less of that you gift. get less and less yes so vampires are weakened by the vein. the vein if it is ingested by a vampire will burn the inside of their mouths and presumably their throat but also will usually render them unconscious or very very faint depending on the dosage it also burns them their skin if they touch either the flowers or diluted vervain that is often mixed in water in the show and as we've said if a, a regular human or a doppelganger <laughs> ingests Vervain, they will be immune to compulsion for uh, a maximum of three days until the Vervain passes out of their system. What's the LD50 on Vervain? I'm so curious. I was, I'm thinking, like, surely that depends on, on the dose you take. <laughs> like, we can't be saying that, oh, a sip or a bottle, like, it all. it's all the same thing. <laughs> I know it's magic, but...
0: Like, does it vary on the size of the of the vampire? Do you have to give a bigger dose to a bigger vampire? Or does it go by age, like most vampiric things? Do you have to give more Vervain the older the vampire is?
1: I think so. The originals, for example, are not just old, but also the originals. But I, I think Vervain just doesn't work as well on really old vampires, because it, it tends to take Caroline down much easier than the Salvators, and i know at a certain point the Salvators are taking vervain to build up a resistance but once the originals get to town then everybody who's a vampire starts taking vervain as well because they're like oh well now we can be compelled. because originals can compel any vampires yes in the earlier episodes stefan tells elena when he's explaining vampires into her he tells her that certain herbs and materials can be used against vampires and that statement makes it sound like it's maybe not just vervain, but that's all we ever get in the show might might be early installment weirdness might just be that we 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 don't encounter other plants. maybe they're they're not native to the americas the plants that would harm vampires
0: might just have been stefan being dramatic this was in the conversation right him and elena were having when she discovered that vampires exist it might just have been like showing off honestly (laughs) it's like yeah certain herbs and it's like okay one herb Stefan. we're trying to i keep saying herb (laughs) i was supposed to address this at the beginning of this recording but like last episode i kept saying herbs instead of herbs it's because they say herbs in the show
1: and now it's poisoning my mind everyone's always saying herbs. it's american english yeah (laughs) the other two weaknesses that regular vampires have or at least the two common weaknesses apart from the vein are wood and sunlight so the spell that esther cast caused her husband and children to burn when exposed to the sun for the longest time it looked as though they would not ignite they would simply burn but we do see elijah's hand catching fire at one point in the originals the originals is constantly expanding on the lore so (laughs) (laughs) You, you always have to reference that show in order to be absolutely sure of what you're talking about it seems they would ignite but they wouldn't burn up presumably they're fireproof i don't know When Elijah is daggered and Damon tries to take a flamethrower to his body to get the dagger back without pulling it out and reawakening him, I think it's Catherine who tells him that he's indestructible, that her words, that like uh, burning him won't won't work. So it, it truly seems that anything else you try to do to an original will not permanently harm them. I don't know. There's a throwaway line Rebecca has, again, in the originals when she's angry at Klaus and she's talking to someone else and she says... If I ripped out his heart, how long do you think it would take before it grew back? <laughs> I don't know whether that's because she knows that his heart will grow back or, or just whether that's just what she's assuming would happen. I don't that's... know. It
0: fascinating a lot of these questions end up being like we don't have an answer because no one would was is in a position to even try it anyone who tries to cross an original faces a quick death and when they fight each other it's rarely to the point of murder right usually klaus it's usually klaus starting a fight and he just has to dagger them and then that's it So we don't have an answer, like, if I ripped out your heart as an
1: original, what would happen? Regular vampires, though, are not susceptible to just wood of that specific white oak tree, but any wood. Reverse evolution. It seems to weaken them when it pierces their skin, because many times they get stakes shoved into parts of them that aren't their heart. And it seems like those injuries are particularly... Difficult to recover from. Like their skin will not heal until the wood is removed.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it is of like because they can't heal from a wood wound. So it's like if you stab them in the stomach, for example, and you leave the stake in there, they can't heal from that. And so they're kind of incapacitated by it. So you stab them through a heart with it, then there's no healing from that. You just die.
1: It doesn't even seem to need to be a big piece of wood because there are times when there's buckshot. In a vampire's abdomen. And they mention that they can feel wooden pieces scraping against their heart. And that they're at risk of dying.
0: It's a very specific scene of Stefan and Elena out at yes, house. Yes, yes. It's also
1: how Lily meets her demise. There's wooden splinters in her heart that are apparently just unreachable. So she's going to die. I think, I think at that point they were just tired of people dying from werewolf bites. So they were like, okay. <laughs> Get creative with it. <laughs> sunlight while it only seems to burn but not burn up originals their weaker regular vampire progeny will burn up completely in the sun Mm -hmm. it takes a while for us to see this but we finally see it with isabel uh, near the end of season two who is compelled to kill herself when she's done doing what klaus wants her to do for him she yanks off her daylight necklace and bursts into flames and her body burns up completely just like someone had set her on fire the the way that regular vampires and originals have gotten around the sun issue were daylight bracelets. Uh, well, daylight jewelry, I guess, would be the general term. They can come as rings, bracelets, necklaces. Most characters have rings. All of the men have rings, I guess, because a guy can't have a necklace or a bracelet. I don't know.
0: I will say, I will say, Jeremy does has it's not a daylight because Jeremy's never a vampire, but he has a vervain bracelet. So, you know. He's, he's making some strides on the masculine jewelry.
1: I would have liked some variety because initially it's like, okay, Stefan and Damon have the rings and back then they were like a rarity, not like every single main character having one. <laughs> right. And then we see, we see in the flashbacks that Pearl and Catherine have necklaces. I don't know what Anna was wearing in the flashbacks, but I think in the modern era, she has a daylight ring. She has a lot of rings, so it's difficult to point out, like pinpoint which one it is exactly.
0: Which, again, she's always steps ahead. How are you going to get her in the sunlight if you don't know which ring to pull off?
1: <laughs> Annabelle Jude. Yeah, the, the daylight rings were created by Esther for her kids. I guess because burning in the sun, even if it's not going to burn you up completely, would be quite painful. For other vampires, it's very much a life or death situation. Apart from the fire that you get from sunlight, regular fire will also kill a regular vampire if you can manage to set them alight. That's how Stefan kills Ben. Ben McKittrick, baby. Out in a blaze. Hey, I guess I guess that's that's Ben's claim to fame. Is he, is he the first vampire we see on screen, like, dying from just like, fire? From like, fire, like, for sure. Well, good, good for you, Ben. There, that's your legacy. You know, you've got something, buddy those are the 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 conventional weaknesses that a vampire has more on the unconventional side is werewolf venom so werewolves venom only becomes active when they are in wolf form in human form they don't have access to that uh particular ability but in wolf form a bite from a werewolf uh, will release venom into a vampire's bloodstream that essentially poisons them initially the bite will heal over like any other ordinary injury a vampire gets but after a few hours it will become infected, it will slowly kill the vampire like some deadly disease which causes delirium and dementia. You start hallucinating vividly. It, it makes them rabid with hunger. It was, it was quite sad to see that happen to Rose. Yeah, uh,
0: Rose happened. who... In the grand scheme of things, I'm not like a huge Rose head. But that sequence of her wasting away from a werewolf fight was very, very sad to watch.
1: Especially because at the time it's treated like you know there's nothing we can do for her there is no cure for this and then we learn a few episodes later that oh there is actually actually was the whole time she's probably never gonna get it
0: i I guess it 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 evokes like the the pathos of like an actual like human disease right like you get you have a lot of degenerative diseases you have a lot of wasting diseases that exist in our real life and it hits on beats of that that are just like really tragic and really tough to
1: watch because as i said vampires can't be killed by conventional means and part of that is that they are immune to ordinary illnesses i mean they're undead so you wouldn't expect an ordinary illness to affect them a werewolf bite is the only illness that they can get werewolf venom doesn't seem to have any effect on other people we don't usually see people who survive werewolf bites, but caroline's dad is mauled by a werewolf and he's you know pretty banged up but he's not like infected with anything so uh th- their venom their venom only seems to affect vampires Which is cool because vampires came after werewolves. So it's pretty cool that their venom, which was this a pre-existing thing that they had?
0: I think that's because werewolves are similar to witches, but not exactly. They are in tandem with nature. I think their venom evolved to poison vampires when vampires came to exist, right? Because the whole origin of vampires was in opposition to the werewolves. I know we go back and forth, protection, whatever, but it was in opposition to the werewolves. And so I think over the decades or however long that werewolves and vampires uh, were at loggerheads, that their venom then evolves to be
1: lethal to vampires that makes sense or Mm -hmm. alternatively it could have been one of the immediate side effects like vervain and white oakwood Mm -hmm. and sunlight magical symmetry yeah i hadn't thought of that before i mean your your theory also makes sense but i'm just thinking now that maybe when when no i i like that much better where it's like all these things
0: that you use to create vampires there's a mirror side to harm you the very fact that you created vampires in opposition to the werewolves mean those werewolves are also now lethal. To you. I like that. I like that even more.
1: Originals, because they cannot be killed by anything other than white oak wood, usually. I'll put a pin in that. Usually. Werewolf venom will make them sick and delirious in much the same way with a regular vampire, but after a day or so, it will eventually work itself out of their system, like an ordinary person getting over a flu. In season two, when they are trying to stop Klaus bonnie learns through the martins and the ghosts of dead witches who she's now channeling the spirits that if a witch can channel enough power they can kill an original this never comes up again after (laughs) season two so technically it
0: does because i think that's what abby was attempting to do with Klaus, but she couldn't channel enough power to kill him, so she desiccated him instead. Not Klaus, oh, you mean, sorry. you mean Michael? When she was going up against Michael, because Michael comes to town looking for the doppelganger in some scheme to go against Klaus. And abby i believe as a follow-up to that was trying to channel enough magic to kill him but could not so she desiccated him and it used up all of her magic and then she left
1: i guess that's fair i just wondered why like they they do say that oh when bonnie is channeling all of this power that she's gotten from 100 dead witches they warn her that if you use too much of this power you will die jeremy asks her okay how much power would it take to kill an original and bonnie says all of it and I thought, okay, fine. So that's why that's why it would never come up again. But witches can work, you know, in tandem with each other. So why couldn't they? Why couldn't several witches channel enough power to kill an original?
0: Where are we getting these witches?
1: New Orleans, bruh. Like <laughs> <laughs> there are so I many see. of them. I in thought the you meant in
0: present day when we're facing up the originals. Like it's just Bonnie. It's always just Bonnie facing up against the hugest threats with no one to help her yeah it 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 becomes tough when it's like yeah the witches have this mystical grapevine with like their other side spirits carrying messages but it's like then why isn't it easier to organize collectively and destroy every threat i don't know i have to assume some of them had their ulterior motives for like maybe we don't kill them all maybe they were friends with vampires and they knew about the psy they were like we can't kill them
1: maybe i mean thierry thierry was dating a witch uh he's one of marcel's guys the one who played an instrument was it the saxophone the trumpet he played something
0: oh is he the one who dies real early in season one
1: yes he, no, dies, he okay. dies really early <laughs> i remember the he scene. and diego uh played by the same actor who played malcolm and jessica jones yes 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 he and diego are like the only two of marcel's guys who are like named in that season apart from josh obviously who becomes a much bigger character who we love Oh, We love Josh.
0: Okay, I was throwing that out on on a full, like... (laughs) I was, like, risking it to be like, oh, no, we've never spoken about original characters. Do we like the same characters? I don't know.
1: I adore (laughs) Josh. He's great. Circling back, while regular wood that penetrates the vampire's heart, which, as I've said, it seems that it can even be a very small piece, will kill them, that won't kill an original. It will temporarily kill them, and then they will revive after a while. We first see it with Elijah, who wakes up on his own and yanks the stake out of his chest and comes back fully. Later on in season four, when Rebecca has had several wooden shards penetrate her heart and is like in her temporary death state, Damon pulls out the wood and then she wakes up. So I don't know if that means that pulling it out made her wake up earlier and she would have eventually woken up on her own.
0: I would think that removing it makes it
1: easier for them to get up. And I think... That is it with the comparisons in terms of their weaknesses. While it was established that witches could not become vampires, and it seemed that werewolves couldn't become vampires either, we are later introduced to the concept of hybrids, which are werewolves who have activated their curse. It seems that the curse has to have been triggered so that they're active werewolves, who have been turned into vampiric creatures with the blood of the original hybrid, Klaus. So Klaus's nature as a hybrid is, I guess, you know, the loophole, as they always call it. He was an untriggered werewolf, so essentially human, when he was turned into an original vampire with his siblings. And then afterwards triggered the curse by killing someone as a vampire. And then immediately had his werewolf side sealed away. So he lived most of those thousand years as an original vampire. I think the only... The only extra ability he would have had was that I guess his blood could already cure werewolf fights because he clearly knew that and that the silver daggers didn't work on him. He wore a daylight ring, which is something that hybrids don't need. Klaus creates hybrids by siring ordinary triggered werewolves with his blood and then having them complete their transition with the blood of a living doppelganger.
0: Yeah, it's, it's much in the similar way of a vampire turning a human into a regular vampire, except he is turning a werewolf into a hybrid. He feeds them his blood, snaps their necks, or kills them, whichever way, he just is partial to neck snapping, Klaus. <laughs> um, and then, when they wake up, where a regular human in transition would just need human blood to then f- complete the transition, werewolf-vampire hybrids require living doppelganger blood to then become
1: hybrids. Or at least, I should say, hybrids sired by Klaus require living doppelganger blood. Right. We'll put a pin in that. We'll get back to that real quick. So I, I find the nature of hybrids really cool because of the whole fake sun and moon curse and what breaking that curse was supposed to mean for vampires and werewolves each of them for vampires it was it was meant to mean that they could walk in the sun without daylight rings and that weakness would be gone they don't need daylight rings.
0: yeah which to be clear obviously all the main vampires you see them do that but again like unless you know a witch unless you're really in good with a witch as a vampire you exist in the night in this world like, for as much as we joke that, like, everybody seems to be getting daylight rings as the show goes on. It's, like, the Salvators have daylight rings. The Chews have daylight rings. But it's, like, every vampire who comes to town encounters them and is, like, how the hell are you guys walking <laughs> in the sun? I need to know. So it would be a huge thing for this, quote-unquote, curse to be broken and so that
1: all vampires could just walk in the sun. It would be crazy huge. And from the werewolf side of the fake curse, it was supposed to mean that they would be able to have full control over their werewolf transformations, which are ordinarily tied to the lunar cycle. They turn every full moon, no control, no choice. Breaking the pretend curse was supposed to result in them being able to control it, which means they don't have to turn at all if they don't want to. Uh, That's also a power that hybrids have. Hybrids can turn or not turn at will, they can half turn, which is how they're able to summon the werewolf teeth and the venom that comes with it, which is why, as you said, Tyler bites Caroline at a certain point in human form. It's because he summoned his werewolf fangs.
0: I, I do love that where it's like you're bringing out the werewolf fangs in the same way that a vampire would bring out their fangs and as, as a result of your hybrid nature. It is really cool. Yes. The one plus one equals three is always fun.
1: I, I also found it cool if you make the comparison that Because we see what happens when Klaus tries to sire werewolves and then have them complete that transition into hybrids without doppelganger blood, using ordinary human blood they go rabid, they start to bleed, they eventually die by themselves. They bleed from the eyes. It's not a fun visual, yeah. I don't know if that's what would happen if an ordinary vampire tried to turn a werewolf.
0: That's I thought that the moment you mentioned it, but then I was like, maybe they don't even get to the resurrection. Yeah, maybe point. Maybe, maybe they just they feed it. a werewolf vampire blood. They just die because <laughs> you've killed them. But it would be interesting to be like, could you get to that resurrection point? But because you don't have the same connection to doppelganger blood as the originals do you can't complete that final step so anytime you tried to turn a werewolf into a vampire or hybrid or whatever it just would never work
1: so hybrids and their ability to turn whenever they want their their freedom from being bound to the moon which we later on learn is a curse it reminds me of how when a witch becomes a vampire they lose their connection to nature and since you know werewolves abilities and the lunar cycle is a part of like nature in the magical sense it made me think that perhaps that's why hybrids are able to turn whenever they want. That connection to nature has been severed, and now they are free. Unlike witches who lose their powers. I guess in a similar way, like like
0: werewolves are unmoored positive, and then witches are unmoored negative. Because it's like they want to be connected, they want to be tied to the natural elements. Abby, when she's standing in her garden after she's been turned into a vampire, has this despondent like slouch, this morose expression, and she's like, I can't feel my garden anymore. It's so depressing. So yeah, very
1: interesting parallel there. Hybrids, uh, aside from both having two things that regular vampires and regular werewolves don't have, which is obviously the the day walking and the control of returning, they have all the regular vampire abilities, the heightened physical and sensory abilities. I noticed that, and I think Tyler actually says it at one point. I don't know who he says it to. I think he says it to Nadia seasons later. I'm not sure, but I noticed that young hybrids are far stronger than young vampires and they are generally enough of a match for older vampires too. Tyler, I think says the line, young, young hybrid trumps old vampire. Or something like that he's not necessarily right because steven and damon kill plenty of those hybrids <laughs> in their yeah type. i
0: think there's a slope of these graphs that intersect where it's like okay beyond this point maybe not but i do think they have an advantage because they can summon the werewolf fight whenever i do think strength wise up to a certain point in age yes they do trump but that doesn't mean tyler can go up against like an original oh yeah <laughs> or like not. a sage
1: maybe yeah and I, I assume that the reason that hybrids are stronger than regular vampires is because they're getting their low-level werewolf super strength heightened, whereas a regular vampire is just getting human strength heightened. Yeah, I like that. Also the 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 hybrids have a hybrid face, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is unique to them. So they get the werewolf teeth. The werewolves have elongated upper canines like vampires, but also their lower canines. The the part of them that is definitely a combo is werewolves have these werewolf eyes that they can sometimes make. I don't think they have any control over it. For them, it's usually uh, an emotional thing. They can, some like, these eyes will pop up when they're in human form or when they're about to turn, where their sclera go, like, this murky blackish color, and their eyes glow this golden yellow. So the hybrid, they get the werewolf eyes with the black sclera and glowing yellow eyes, but they still get the vampire veins uh, that stick out underneath it, which which is cool because when Klaus is failing to turn werewolves into hybrids, they don't get that look. And when Tyler becomes his first successful hybrid sire, he makes that face and klaus immediately says that's a good sign <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's such a cool visual hybrids really with the, the nature of of klaus to like mass produce at any given opportunity kind of makes them lose their luster so it's a shame but like that it's such a, a distinct when tyler looks up in that like gymnasium or wherever they are and his eyes are burning gold and he's got the veins it's just like yes we've crossed an event horizon we're in new territory now this is really awesome
1: uh, uh, hybrids share vampires' weakness to Vervain as well as werewolves' weakness to wolfsbane. So that's probably the only, the only real drawback is that now they have twice as many weaknesses for the one thing, like the, the herbal weaknesses. However, unlike vampires, hybrids cannot be killed by a stake through the heart. They can only be killed by decapitation or by having their hearts extracted, which are methods of killing which will work on regular vampires. But generally, people go for stakes because most people aren't strong enough, like most humans at least, or witches aren't strong enough to tear out a vampire's heart or cut off their head. Although staking a hybrid does seem to incapacitate them. Jeremy stakes one at one point and then decapitates it a few seconds later, but I mean, he's down for the count after he's been staked. So I assume that's the weakness of wood from the vampire side that's coming through. And I think I think that's it for hybrids, at least as, as much as I'm willing to explore from the vampire side of things. They are also werewolves, and we'll get into that. The only other point I'll make is that because they are part vampire, as Michael points out in his final appearance in TVD, uh, they can be compelled by originals. I assume that that means that they also can't use the silver daggers with the white oak ash that will kill a regular vampire their final weakness is that like everyone created from the original siblings blood if klaus the vampire from which they are descended quote unquote dies they will all die as well
0: which is not a fun time because then it like beholds you to this sire even if you don't want to because your survival
1: is dependent on his survival it it kind of sucks <laughs> there i mean they're they're already beholden in a sense because of the the sire bond oh yes let's get into the sire bond how are we not speaking <laughs> about the sire bond the sire bond so it's a yeah that is that is a vampiric trait it's definitely affected by their werewolf nature and i think it might be it might be the werewolf pack loyalty coming into play because klaus is their alpha and whatnot as well as a sense of gratitude but in vampires Damon states that. a a vampire turns a human into a vampire, the human can sometimes become sired to them, which leads to them just having this obsession with doing everything that the vampire who turned them tells them to do. It's different from compulsion in that it doesn't feel like mind control, I guess, from the... It
0: feels like something you want to do.
1: We later learned that the reason why it's pretty rare in vampires is because it has to be a person who was truly in love with the vampire who turned them. Mm. And, or at least you know in love with him, in the sense that you believe this is love, because Elena is in love with Damon, and she becomes sired to him when she's turned by his blood. And the only other sired vampire we meet for sure is a vampire named in Charlotte. Yes, also yeah. in love with Damon. That Damon blood. <laughs> Ugh. Whereas from the on, on the hybrid side of things it's not it's not out of love for Klaus. Oh I don't know. Who knows? Joseph Morgan is a good looking. Who man. knows? Maybe it's very possible.
0: <laughs> we don't wanna rule it out, but it is specifically because their their hybrid nature means they no longer have to turn at the full moon involuntarily. And so there is a level of gratitude there. A freedom from, because turning as a, as a werewolf is incredibly painful, it breaks every bone in your body because you're becoming genetically a completely different creature. And so the freedom from that pain month to month, the gratitude to be free from that pain goes into the sire bond to Klaus as their sire.
1: The only way for a sire bond, the sire bond between a regular vampire and their progeny, or I guess if there was ever an instance of it, an original vampire and their progeny, uh, the only way to sever that connection is for the sire to tell the sireling, as they say in TVD, to tell the sireling to go away, get over them, not be in love with them anymore. In <laughs> obeying that command, the sire link is broken. <sighs>
0: I hearing this back, I'm honestly so much more interested in the hybrid size than the vampire size, <laughs> one, because both vampire sires are to Damon and two because it's so cheesy. I just well, that's
1: it. that's the way Damon gets rid of the the first sire. The second one yeah. uh, he he then learns that if a vampire turns off their humanity, that will sever the link because they're not feeling anything. And once they turn it back on, I guess that just means it's gone. So I guess Charlotte just didn't turn over her humanity all that time.
0: The the implication is that she was still... It wasn't like she only did the thing that Damon told her to do at the time when he didn't know that she was side to her, I think. But like she was living a life, but also she had to complete this task that Damon had given her, which was to count all the bricks in New Orleans. What was it? <laughs>
1: Something stupid like that. Was it New Orleans? Was, wasn't she in Chicago?
0: Chicago. I just always think, you know me, I'm always confusing the Chicago eras and the New Orleans eras.
1: Those are the only two (laughs) cities the TVD characters ever go They go to New York once, but other than that, it's always Chicago and New Orleans. (laughs)
0: But Damon tells her to count all the bricks on the street, on Bourbon Street or something.
1: So it had to be New Orleans. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's that's how sire links are broken between vampires. You either you either turn off your emotional switch or the sire tells you to go away forever. Which, of <laughs> course, Damon was unwilling to do to Elena, the latter. For hybrids, uh, what Caroline's father, master of mental focus, figures out... You know how he that, rolls, Bill <laughs> ...is that is that the hybrid must voluntarily turn into their werewolf form over and over again until it doesn't hurt anymore. I guess that just means you get used to the pain, not that like your pain threshold goes up. It was fully,
0: like, this is theoretical research he was rolling on. He was like, this is our beta testing, this is our experiment. The idea is that if the Sire link is tied to your gratitude for not having to turn again, if you turn enough times that you get used to the turning in a way that doesn't, like, the pain becomes dulled to you, then you don't owe klaus anything and therefore the sire link is broken which like good thesis statement but like crazy that it works <laughs> wow we
1: were going off a lot of luck if there's one thing bill forbes knows it's the mind, it's the mind. except when he doesn't <laughs> except when he tries to convert his vampire daughter like what were oh, you doing bill Come he's on. like i'm gonna condition you to not want to feed and i'm like, like but what? then she'll just desiccate she die. this won't work what are you talking about <laughs> well but she wouldn't she... die she would she would desiccate right yes, like the tomb, she, vampires. the tomb
0: vampires she would completely waste away And is like was that your goal like what do you want her to do <laughs> Bill? this plan is crazy <laughs> well there's another vampire detail for you like vampires spend a long time without drinking blood they will slowly desiccate and almost turn to like stone not stone
1: necessarily but they become statue-like it's very like dried out husk looking yeah. but still alive and maybe conscious maybe asleep
0: maybe conscious maybe in eternal pain it's very unclear we get very differing <laughs> accounts from different
1: people <laughs> One one final thing that I think is, is worth pointing out about hybrids in that they are both werewolf and vampire and that Klaus is the original hybrid in this universe. He's the oldest one and he's been around for a thousand years. Um, so who knows what he's contributed to folklore is that the creatures that, at least in Western culture, people associate with vampirism and lycanthropy used to be the same thing in Slavic folklore. From which they originate. Oh! Sometimes uh, these days they're called like vukodlak uh, or these various things. Varkodlak. I mean, oh I'm not. yes, vukodlak.
0: Like, I know that. Where have I seen that? There was some show or movie I watched that. Probably knew. The Witcher. Yes, yes, yes. It was The
1: Witcher. I guess at at one point this creature was just a, a vaguely evil thing that fed on the living and was like feral, and then. At a certain point, it branched off so that vampires were explicitly undead blood drinkers and werewolves were the ones that became animals. And that was where the the, the two sides branched off. But I I like that hybrids are like sort of coming back to that, that point of origin where they were the same thing. And that maybe in this universe, it's because Klaus was the original hybrid. Even though he didn't turn into a werewolf until, like, 2010. Uh, <laughs> like, he didn't actually become a werewolf. And
0: spiritually, yeah, we appreciate it as, like, a, a tie to the origin.
1: Next, we have uh, the other contradiction. This one is a bit more striking because we were explicitly told it could never happen. It could
0: never happen, yes.
1: The, the rule-breaking that is
0: heretics. Like... Which also start with an H, like hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I think they, when we first are introduced to this subtype... They are described as, I mean, not to shoot the gun, but they are witch vampire hybrids. I think it was such a shot in the foot for them specifically that werewolf vampire hybrids being the only hybrid for like six, five, six seasons meant that they were just colloquially called hybrids. That when witch vampire hybrids came about, they needed a whole new name. Hybrid couldn't be an umbrella term because it was already being used specifically for werewolf vampire hybrids. So they had to make a whole new name for them. And it kind of makes sense, the name, when you think about that contradiction that we assumed up until that point could not be violated. The name makes sense in how unusual this violation is.
1: And how seriously witches take vampirism and the turning of a witch into a vampire. Right. I I did call it a contradiction. A little bit it isn't. Because while witches draw their power from nature and are connected to natural forces, heretics are technically not side from popular witches. They are um, the result of siphoners being turned by vampire blood
0: siphoners being witches that don't have their own magic or connection to magic they have to pull magic from other people or from any magic
1: source really they suck it out of pre-existing wells of magic sort of like rogue from x-men we see that siphoners are able to pull magic out of magical beings out of objects in which magic has been stored and at one point one of them even siphons the magic out of a werewolf bite Mm. like neutralizing the venom itself
0: real crazy stuff i love it
1: (laughs) It was, it was pretty cool yeah and a, and a nice visual effect i'm so glad they gave it the visual so that it wasn't just like the the gentle glowing that you can like you, ha- you kind of have to squint to see it mm.
0: It not to bring it to a place of I, I don't know how many people would get this vibe but in like role-playing games and in video games that also have a similar style there are characters that have this ability called mana burn or like characters who are anti-mages who essentially different to like your siphoners are still like magic casters but like they're characters who burn through magic and that was the vibes that that visual gave me where it's like you're touching it and you're like eating up or like burning up this magic that exists and i really really appreciate that visual as someone who came from sort of a gaming space i thought it was I'm, I'm curious to know if someone in the design team there had that kind
1: of vibe going oh maybe Mm. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people who work in Hollywood are big nerds, you know, uh, <laughs> and I respect it. So in that way, I guess uh, being a siphon was already this loophole in which your your body has the capacity for absorbing, storing and processing magic, but you aren't connected to like the greater source of magic itself that just naturally comes into you when you're a proper witch. Yeah And I guess that's why when you become a vampire, there is no connection to sever because there never was one. You are now this creature that was already like designed to feed off other things, and now you're a siphoner, so the two blend together pretty well. Interesting. The cool thing about heretics is once a siphoner is turned into a heretic they now have an unlimited source of magic because their own vampirism supplies them with the magic
0: when they explained it i was like okay this could have been so hammy but you've you've done it in such a brilliant way where it's like yeah why wouldn't you be able to use yourself as a source forever you are a magical being inherent in your vampirism and the nature of your magic is is to suck up other magic so that in conjunction with what you just described now about their lack of connection to nature it all just fits in this very neat stack where it's like this is actually the coolest thing you could have done <laughs> it really like i was like i like this concept
1: and because the status of a vampire is this eternal being that will never die unless you specifically kill it in one of the ways that it has to be killed. That means that magic will never run out. I don't know if a siphoner feeding off a vampire, like not themselves, but another vampire, might ever result in like desiccation or something. We never get to see that. But certainly the heretics using their own bodies as a a source of magic doesn't seem to have any negative effects on them.
0: Mm. And if we're going by the age rule of everything vampire... There I think the heretics we meet are at least 100 years old. So they've got some they've got some miles on the clock, they've got a pretty decent source of like this long-standing curse that they've got going
1: on. And they have the the regular weaknesses and strengths of a vampire in terms of Vervain, Wood, and Sunlight. Thanks to them being magic users, they can make their own daylight rings. So they are the only ones who I will excuse for all showing up with <laughs> daylight rings. <laughs> they were like Thanos getting the Infinity Gauntlet, like, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need <laughs> Obviously, like all vampiric creatures, hybrids included, they need to feed off blood to survive. Initially, when we first meet hybrids, going back to hybrids, I wasn't sure if that was the case because I guess I just, I was like, I need you to tell me things for me to be sure. I want to just guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> um because I was, uh, the scene in which Tyler first feeds on a human, I was like, no, Tyler, why are you doing this? You don't need to drink blood. <laughs> but later on, it becomes clear that, oh yeah, no, actually, a hybrid, do. hybrid <laughs> do need to drink blood. Every, everybody who's vampiric needs to drink blood we'll get to why in a, in a a couple of moments there's not a whole lot to say about their nature as half vampires half werewolves they show
0: up states. towards the end of the show they're not a huge deal and they all kind of die off by the end of the <laughs> so yeah it's unfortunate i really quickly. We didn't get a lot of them
1: circling back to the originals uh, real quick i pointed out that i i was unsure whether hybrids would need to feed on blood um when we later learn i think It might be season four or maybe season five when we really get to know silas uh the first immortal which is a term that is used in the vampire diaries at that point to describe a being one of two who is ageless and unkillable but is not a vampire not a proper vampire um he drinks blood to survive well not to survive he drinks blood to sustain himself like to to be healthy and to uh, you know walk about and be okay, but he doesn't. He, he he can't die. There's no way to kill him except to undo the magic that made him an immortal in the first place. And it was that it was that magic that he at least states was doctored and remixed by Esther in order to create her family as the original vampires. And he he explains that the reason that there is a relationship between himself and vampires is that all the immortal not in the sense of it being a, a species but just the, the term like ageless and hard to kill or unkillable uh all, all beings of that status require blood in order to exist it's why vampires need the blood or they'll desiccate and so once he explained that i was like okay so it makes total sense that hybrids would need to drink blood as well
0: it makes sense in an arcane uh sense and also just like in like a broad abstract sense That, like, lifeblood, right? Like, blood is a symbol of life. It's a symbol of vitality. It makes sense that it is this thing that you need to consume now because you no longer make it yourself. Well, in the sense of vampires, that's how it makes sense. In the sense of being an immortal, magically, it's like this is the price you pay for contravening the natural bounds. You must now consume life from others to perpetuate your infinite
1: life. So the originals are initially the most powerful vampiric species in the show i think that klaus once he unlocks his werewolf side and becomes the original hybrid is probably a bit stronger than his siblings the same way that our hybrid is stronger than a vampire of similar age i've gone back and
0: forth about this because from taking all the instances of him and elijah that we've seen across both shows on average they seem to be evenly matched excluding the werewolf bite which we always exclude because we know that the werewolf bite will always be that small edge just based on like physicality
1: klaus and elijah seem evenly matched i just assumed that if klaus was slightly stronger it was it was negligible like i like tyler tyler seems stronger than caroline once he becomes a hybrid but for the most part it doesn't really make him like able to overpower her it's just that he's got the hybrid bite and she's a regular vampire not an original so werewolf venom is fatal to her like absolutely and completely
0: yeah i think it's always going to be the bite i think once you're old enough it's like we're, we're both so old and so strong yeah that it's like unless you bit me we really are evenly matched
1: okay so we'll we'll say klaus is at the same level as all his siblings from what we see usually the originals are the strongest vampires in this universe. But at the end of season 3, <laughs> Evilaric <laughs> Evilaric rolls right in. Evilaric, or as, or as, as, as you call him, Kilaric.
0: <laughs> Kilaric just sounds cooler and it makes more sense.
1: I like Evilaric, especially since he told me that it was actually said in the show. Um, but yeah, Alaric's body, and mentally speaking his evil alter ego, are turned into a brand new original by Esther Michelson. He is officially, like, in the wiki, not in the show, called the Enhanced Original. Despite having just been made, he is already stronger than Klaus and Rebecca, the only two original vampires that he gets a chance to meet. He seems to have all of the basic original powers, will burn in sunlight but not burn up. Ordinary wood can't kill him. However, I think... I have to assume because there was no white oak wood involved in his spell that the white oak stake wouldn't have worked on him. I don't know if they if they try to use it on him.
0: Yeah, because she doesn't draw on the white oak. She does create an indestructible stake for him with the last white oak stake and the Gilbert Ring, but she doesn't use it to make him. She draws on her the hotspot that was created when she died. She uses doppelganger blood. But yeah, no, the White Oak Steak is not involved. Yes, you know what it is? Because in place of the White Oak Steak, she ties his immortality to Elena. Yes. So that that's why his death could not be caused by White Oak, but if you killed Elena, it would kill Rick.
1: Which makes me think that if, if the whole stripping spirit magic away thing hadn't happened and then Joe saving him with her doctor skills, hadn't like resulted in him being alive as a human was Alaric just going to be like immortal forever because at that point Elena is a vampire and he's been pulled back and reconstituted from the ghostly form of the other side so (laughs) oh no other (laughs) side physics again too
0: many variables (laughs) the equation is complicated too much
1: because it's like it's like the the human life that he was tied to has already ended and he has died and he's been he's been brought back in what is essentially a new body, but a new body that is like an imitation of his old one. So I, I, I guess because he ended up on the other side as a vampire, the enhanced original, once he was pulled through, like everybody when they come through as a ghost, they come through as whatever supernatural creature they had died as. Uh, he is therefore so he the found, enhanced original and now he's he's released from his title. He would forever. <laughs> yeah that you could do to him that would kill him there's nothing the only way you could kill him is dead so... he even like he 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 gets a daylight ring made for him by bonnie that's crazy i think he would have lived forever if
0: it weren't for the anti-magic spell that's crazy
1: and that's not even as crazy as it gets because he's not the only <laughs> he's that's not the only remix original <laughs> this isn't even my final four earlier we had said that in terms of compulsion and how a compelled human, once they if they transition into a vampire, in that transition period, they will get back all the memories of all the times that a vampire ever compelled them. Um, and then you said that, unfortunately, regular vampires don't get to have that with originals because that's the only time they'll, they've already transitioned. They won't get another chance. But <laughs> right. in the original spin-off series, we are introduced to the concept of the upgraded original not enhanced oh, upgraded <laughs> and ca- canon- worse. canonically the upgraded original is supposed to be stronger than the enhanced original they never meet because even though
0: there's no like, way of testing there's
1: that. no way of testing
0: it there's only one enhanced original and by the time of the originals he's no longer a vampire so <laughs> there's no way of proving that
1: did the enhanced original have like a fatal weakness elena <laughs> No! Was no, no sorry not, not enhanced the, the the upgraded original did the, the upgraded. upgraded original no the whole point was
0: that like you couldn't because couldn't be compelled he was stronger than all the originals he had that fatal werewolf fight and i think that was it
1: so then i guess by virtue of that the upgraded original is stronger than the enhanced original just by virtue of not being able to die at all <laughs> there'd be nothing that can kill you just to be just to clarify the upgraded original was was physically stronger than all the originals by being brand new and was created from a pre-existing vampire who then had to ingest some new magical blood and then die in the regular one of the regular vampire ways. Um, In this instance, it was his heart being ripped out. Die as a regular vampire and then resurrect (laughs) as the Enhanced Original. I don't think there was a transition that needed to be completed, right? I don't think so.
0: Yeah. I think it was just it.
1: Uh, The Enhanced Original, apart from being physically stronger than all the originals, also had access to werewolf venom in his bite he had like a version of the werewolf eyes where instead of um the glowing yellow eyes on black sclera it was like these glowing red eyes <laughs> instead um with the vampire veins underneath but the veins are much longer instead of just going to the cheeks they go all the way down until they like reach like the jawline um it looked pretty cool and there were there were a lot more fangs it is but it really is just like the concept of yeah
0: we just did the same thing but more
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I i just wanted to be clear that the 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 upgraded original yeah i keep getting mixed up between enhanced and upgraded the upgraded original the strongest one is not a hybrid there is the werewolf bite and werewolf venom but that's it there's no like werewolf form or anything else um that comes with werewolf abilities
0: They specifically just have a a strain of werewolf venom that is infused into their bite as the upgraded vampire. And this werewolf venom is so potent that where regular werewolf venom can be cured by Klaus's blood as the original hybrid, it can do nothing against this upgraded vampire bite. His blood is useless against that venom so also the blood of the upgraded vampire even can't beat this venom once the bite has been made it's been set nothing can undo it
1: and yet i'm sure i'm sure if the show had been allowed to continue long enough they would have found a way to contradict that too
0: you know they would have by the time we're getting to
1: demigods
0: i i don't know how (laughs) demigods work in this world but it's. I would hope that a demigod could just go well by my divine favor. That does nothing to
1: you. Hey, <laughs> I didn't I know really that there were demigods. I haven't watched Legacies beyond like the first four episodes. So you've actually piqued my interest. I
0: only know because the character is played by Zane Phillips, who is Zane Phillips. So of course I am
1: aware. Maybe I'll go into it and Hercules will show up. I don't know. Or Heracles, whichever version of him they decide <laughs> to use. But yeah, that is that is it for all the all the vampiric creatures. That is, yeah. yeah. So to, just to, to recap, we have regular vampires, original vampires, who were the first vampires created by Esther's spell, the enhanced original, who she specifically created to be stronger than her children so that he could kill them, and then the upgraded original, who was the one above all <laughs> others. In, in as much as it might get a bit cheesy that we get so many different flavors of vampire in the show, it is called the Vampire Diaries. So it's it's
0: okay. Yeah for as much as, like I said earlier, I I do tend to prefer when they go more classical with vampires. I like the Buried Earth. I like the vampire familiar. I like transformations into animalistic creatures i like the coffins i like all that stuff but for as much as like the vampire diaries doesn't do any of that because it simply wouldn't fit the vibe i do think they do a lot of creative stuff with vampires i do think that they set out to do a certain vibe in the show and they stick to it most of the time and they they created something interesting
1: there's a lot of nods to vampire mythology that they give us even even klaus carting his siblings around in coffins it's like oh maybe that's where the myths of vampires being in coffins came from in this world but yeah i think i think that's all
0: so thanks everyone for listening if you have any thoughts about the big world of vampires and vampire diaries or any questions that you'd like to throw at us you can send them to animalattackpod at gmail.com that's animalattackpod at gmail.com you can also tweet us at animattackpod that's at a-n-i-m attack pod you'll find a link tree in our bio that will show you everything that we do and are on the internet but yeah that's a wrap from us we'll see you in the next one cheers everyone
1: bye